Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Gives the boat, plows ahead, touchdown! John Moten, there's a deep throw for Jefferson. Over the shoulder catch, touchdown! What a catch! He bubbles the football. That is picked up by the Wildcats. With a convoy, breaks out of the 40. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win! The Wildcats win! Unbelievable! It's Collegiately Speaking. Join David and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person as they break down all the ins and outs of Northwestern football. Touchdown! It's all over. The Wildcats with a comeback to remember. Here's Dave and Dan. And welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking. WGNRadio.com. I'm Dave Ennett, joined by former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa. Every week we dissect the Wildcats, talk about their last game, and look ahead to their next one. This week, I don't know if we should spend much time talking about the last one, because it was a rough one against the Ohio State Buckeyes. A little bit later on, we're going to visit with former Wildcat safety and NFL safety Brian Peters. But, uh, Dan, we're obviously both out there Friday night. The Buckeyes came in. I think there was a feeling that, Northwestern's defense could give them a chance in the game if the offense could pick it up a little bit. But uh, ultimately, I think the defense did give them a chance for a while in the game. But Ohio State looks like they're just playing at a different level right now, and and it's not a, the same level as the Wildcats. No, it's a it's a you know they're even from last year the Big Ten championship and Rose Bowl championship team they're they're much better specifically on on defense and I think you know just talking to a couple guys before the game you know we you always think that Northwestern it's either going to be against teams like this really close it's going to come down the wire or it's going to be a complete blowout it, it wasn't anything in between and obviously we saw the latter uh, but you know Ohio State is they're, they're just very talented the quarterback is is playing you know very efficiently and and the defense is playing great and, and obviously we couldn't get a ton going on offense and, and like you mentioned the defense Kind of kept us in the game early, mm-hmm. um, but it's hard once once you get going against a team like that. And you know you can't make any mistakes because the the, the offense isn't going to put up a lot of points. It's it's hard to play like that, and and you can't afford to make any mistakes on no. special teams. And I think the special teams have been pretty good for this team. And uh, you get a low snap on a punt, which sets them up at the fifteen yard line. Uh, there was a. a punt that they dropped inside the five in fact inside the the one yard line and and those things against a team like Ohio State will kill you and even even the way that punt ended up setting up a 55 yard field goal on the final play of the half which and now at that point it was 28 to 3 but still a it's a four score game but you have another half of football uh, but but I'll tell you one thing I did like seeing, and that was the running of Isaiah Bowser and coming back from injury. Uh, basically, had missed uh, pretty much a game and a half plus the bye week to recover, and and he looked strong. Yeah, I think you know at the end of the day, it's it's the offensive line's playing pretty well. They're they're playing better than they, I think they've played in, in a long time. Um, but they're just not getting a ton of help from the receivers or the quarterbacks, and that's such a big part of our offense. Mm-hmm. And and we'll talk a little bit uh, with Peters later about that. It's just like when you don't have that and your offense becomes one-dimensional, it's really hard to, to run the ball. But Isaiah did a great job. I think both we have two really solid running backs, if if not more. And, you know, 
who just you, you need to find a way to to make some plays on in, in the back half with with the receivers and I you know you saw Kyrex getting flexed in to to running back a little bit to just get more people touches but it's something that we've talked about before is like you just got to find ways to get easy touches to these guys and I don't think really getting Kyrex as as a running backs the right I mean it could be um, but at the same time just throw more bubble screens just get them get them jet sweeps or something like that. Um, so hopefully they can get it going, but I, I I do think the offensive line for you don't really see it right. You, you're not gonna it's not gonna jump off the page at you that they're playing so great when you're not running the ball for 200 yards. But I think they're doing a really good job. Pat Fitzgerald said this week, Rashawn Slater. He was asked who might be an All Big Ten caliber on this team. He said Rashawn Slater might be. Remember he missed the Nebraska game. He was back the other night. Uh, and look, anybody you're matched up on on that defensive line for Ohio State, you're going to have a tough matchup. And whether it's Jonathan Cooper or Chase Young, uh, those guys are, are playing at, at such a high level, and they're, they got a bunch of first-round picks Across on the their board. defensive yeah. front, right? It's so, so it's tough. But I, I do think uh, Jared Thomas, I think, has been steady at center now for a couple of years. And, you know, these other guys... I think you're going to be okay, but I, I think you do have to like the way Slater's playing. Absolutely. I think he's he's probably an NFL guy just with his athleticism and the way he can hold up against talent. Um, you know, you, you, if you can hold up against Ohio State, you can hold up against anybody yeah. probably in the NFL too. So, yeah, I think he's been playing great. And like you said, Jarrett, we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's a great kid and, and just kind of the, the stalwart in there, and, and people people follow him, and it's it's clear why. What do you see from Aiden Smith, who got the start again? Yeah, I think um, you know he's he's still playing with a little bit more conviction than than Hunter was, which is good. I, I just you know my my biggest complaint is just you know they're not opening up the the field right. You know, at the end of the day, you got to stretch the field, you got to throw more bubble screens, stretch it horizontally and vertically, and I and I just don't think we're doing that. And it's kind of it's unfortunate because clearly Coach McCall doesn't trust the quarterbacks, and and the quarterbacks aren't giving him a ton of reasons to. Um, but to have any sort of success, you have to take the training wheels off and, and open it up a little bit. And you think they do it at this point, and you think they do it against Ohio State, where the only way you're going to win is if you open it up. And, and in my opinion, they still really didn't. Um, but we'll see. You know, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes as this, this schedule doesn't get a. You know, it, it's not to say Iowa and Minnesota and whoever else they play aren't great teams, but it gets a little easier from here. And we're pleased to be joined here on Collegiately Speaking by former Wildcat safety. Brian Peters and and Brian first of all uh, give everybody a little update I know you played several years for the Houston Texans in the National Football League what are you up to these days uh, I'm still trying to play I uh, I continue to train and uh, just kind of navigating the the free agency market and life limbo a little bit I uh, literally uh, just uh, pulled up into uh, Columbus Ohio where I'm, I'm from originally and I'm unpacking my stuff from Houston so uh that's kind of my current state, but uh, still trying to play. Spent the last seven years in four different leagues and just trying to keep that dream alive. Yeah, the uh, the dream dies hard, doesn't it? And it's something that I, I think when you go into it, you kind of know it's going to be that way, right? It's part of the deal? Yeah, for sure. Not a lot of people get to leave football on their own terms by any means, but uh, it's, a, it, it's a fun pursuit. I mean, I've, I've, obviously I have an incredible passion for the game. But just the, the the lifestyle and the people in the community and the platform you get with uh, playing professional football has been incredible. So I'm gonna chase that to the wheels fall off. Yeah, good for you, man. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, 
let's swing into kind of Northwestern and, and first one we'll talk about. Obviously, there hasn't been a ton of ton of highlights except for the the defense and and you know obviously Coach Hank has been there for a long time and a guy that that you play under. Maybe talk a little bit a little bit about his scheme and and how he finds ways to consistently have top defenses in the league in the country because it seems like you know when they play Wisconsin he he obviously coached there and and always has a great game plan for them but kind of across the board he he seems to have a great bend but don't break defense and consistently holds teams you know under twenty points. Um yeah Hank uh, Hank is phenomenal it's a it's an interesting. Uh concept i've been talking to some of my uh teammates across the nfl recently about it as far as scheme goes um hank like you say ben don't break hank's hank's kind of uh do what you do and you have to beat us with what we do they're very fundamentally sound as far as uh gap accountability and then like coverage wise like we're not incredibly diverse like you'll see them play um cover four six and then he'll start to work in like a return three where you slant the front and then, like, come th- third and medium, third and short, like, you're going to see uh, man defense uh, with the post safety to some extent. So um, that's not incredibly complex, and it doesn't need to be. Like, but overall schemes, like, um, you, you, you'll mix in a little game plan thing, but, like, if you have the, the, the sound coaching fundamentals that Hank has always lived and praised, everything looks good on paper, then if you execute your technique at your position – um, usually you'll you'll be pretty sound against uh, no matter what offense you're playing against. Yeah, no, it's it's been apparent for a long time. He, he's done a great job adjusting uh, over the years. Obviously, you, you didn't play on offense, but um, you you clearly know the North- Northwestern offense has been struggling, you know, this year and and probably in fact a, a couple years. Um, you know what makes you know I think when when we were there we had a pretty dynamic offense. What makes our offense hard to defend when it's clicking? first and then you know what makes it easy to defend when it when it's kind of stagnant because I, I guess my my biggest complaint this year so far is it's just like a you know it's a sitting duck not a ton of motion not a ton of key breakers um it's kind of what you see what you get quick quick slants and whatnot what makes our offense hard you know start there what makes it hard to defend when it's clicking um so for, i mean from my experience mostly it was like me like me competing against you directly so a lot of it relies on the quarterback decision maker but it also, like, um, the, the hardest thing, like, so, I mean, a lot of things haven't changed in McCall's offense from what I've seen as of lately. You still get the Chicago's. But the thing that changes, um, changes my eyes, so that's, like, when, when we were able to uh, control the ball a little bit more with Jeremy and Drake when we were there, um, that's something that I haven't seen as of late where what was hard for us is we had um, the Zeke, um, Zeke Markhausen, or however you say his name, uh, Jeremy Eber, we had Drake, and we, we used to uh, – you guys had a lot of option routes on the inside, and with those two guys working off each other and you making great decisions, it, that was the hardest thing to defend. Uh, Jeremy was able to stretch the field, and then once – when we were probably working on all cylinders at our best, like you could you could you get deep threat um, and just kind of stretch us out, and that's where you'd pick us apart. And then your decision making was already, always a lead. I'm not going to keep talking good about you on yeah, your own no, uh, podcast, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that's that's the thing. Like, I don't see a lot of like guys winning on option routes. Um, I see like kind of slants on the inside. Like I, again, I haven't uh, broken down Northwestern offense in a long time, but uh, just uh, watching as a fan now, um, I haven't seen that type of separation that those, those guys used to get. And I don't know, and I don't even know if that, it's being called, honestly. So um, is that, that just, that's what was always hard to go against you and those guys on the inside for us. 
uh, as a defense. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of been a theme. If you even take it back, <clears throat> you know, when McCall first got there, it's been solid decision making from the quarterback, and then solid inside guys. Right, even last year, we had Flynn Nagel making a ton of plays and stepping up when you need it. We didn't have a ton of deep threats, but Clayton always seemed to found or find Flynn on on big plays, and it just seems you know both across the board, the quarterback play has hasn't been great, and then. You know, there hasn't really been an inside guy step up. I, I honestly think that a lot, a lot of the, the same stuff hasn't been called, and maybe that's just a trust aspect for, for the guys and McCall not trusting the quarterback or trusting an inside guy. But at the end of the day, you got to give him a chance, right? Um, and, I, and I feel like anytime you have an offense sitting there, not, not moving, not motioning, not showing key breakers, I think, you know, Fitz talked about it a little bit with, um, with Ohio State. They ran a drive concept into the, into the boundary and, and the safety jumped it because Hank does a great job coaching it up and he, and he broke it off into kind of, kind of like a drive and go and it was an easy score. You know, Northwestern for, for as predictable as they can be sometimes, you need to throw in those key breakers, right? That, that keeps the defensive on defense on especially the safety position talk about that a little bit brian just like when people when you see the same stuff whether it's a bubble screen or, or inside zone or whatever it is talk about a defender's mindset to that kind of stuff yeah so uh, a lot a lot of the concepts like the college is similar to the nfl in that aspect where it's a copycat league to some extent where things execute in the big 10 you'll see them uh the next week with another team but um a lot of like what you see now with the zone. Some people are working the RPO, or they'll run like the force. Like you'll have trips with the back to the trips, and you'll get just that belly bubble option and that kind of thing. So as you break down the film and you see those things, um, obviously I try and like when I break down film, I try and steal two or three keys um, that will help me make a play in the game, and I don't try and carry out too much other than that, than other than doing my job as a safety. But when I start seeing those formations and they lock and you don't see things deviate from those formations, like, again, that four-strong uh, region, like some, that's something Ohio State does. That's something a lot of people do in the Big Ten right now. But um, the, if they don't deviate from that, similar to what maybe Northwestern's doing, I'm not positive, but uh, it makes it much easier for the safety if um, the tendencies hold up for each formation um, or each down and distance tendency, whatever I end up taking into the game. You know, Brian, you've described some schemes which I think to the average fan, they, they do sound pretty sophisticated. And and I know that a lot of times simplicity is important in football, but as sophisticated as defenses and offenses have gotten in the college game, it, it, is it even like tenfold that much more when you get into the NFL? Um, it, it is. Um, there's, 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 you have the ability, you have professionals now, you have people getting paid mass, mass amounts of money to execute their job and play their technique. They're not just getting paid a, um, a rent check and a stipend, but it's, um, it's, it, it's funny how like a lot of things are still mirrored in the college game. Um, I mean, the, the zone concept, the zone concepts in the NFL still hold true, but that's, that, that's something I know, um, professional scouts. Uh, actually are frustrated with that call it like collegiate football there's not a lot of gap schemes like everybody's zone blocking and it, it, it kind of takes away from what we do in the NFL so the complexity of the the run game is definitely higher in the NFL and then obviously the pass concepts everything is a lot of things are schemed and then it's just it's tactical on matchups too just because some teams have dominant receivers other teams are kind of even across the board and then just it, it fluctuates there's a lot of variables in the NFL where uh I guess uh, college, you kind of have that dynamic just on a smaller scale. Visiting with former Northwestern safety and former Houston Texan Brian Peters, 
you know, we talk a lot about the the linebackers that Northwestern has has turned out going back to to Fitz, and yet, really, you look at safeties. There's been a, a pretty good run of safeties coming out of Evanston with guys like uh, Brad Phillips, Brendan Smith, um, Godwin Iguabuke, yourself, Kyle Cairo, um, J.R. Pace now, and Travis Willock. I, I just wonder, is it something that's that's sort of linked into the system that Hank plays, that that's kind of helping develop those guys, or has it become kind of a place where they've figured out how to develop that position? Um, I think in Hank's defense, it's um, if you're the guy kind of calling the plays in the back end, you have a little more control and awareness um, just with the coverages and uh, with the formations a lot of Big Ten's running. You get an opportunity to be – in a not a I'd say not an excessive playmaking position, but you're around the ball. Like if you're that backside safety, um, like a two by two formation, that kind of thing, you're going to be messed around in the box. Or if it's a three by one formation, like and you're playing the backside, you're either going to be that half to see the quarterback. It's just there's there's benefits to being a safety in Hank's defense. It just it, it um, if you're the play caller back there, you get a, you get a chance to make some plays. I think is the easiest way to say it without getting too complex. All right, well, Ryan, before we let you go, and we appreciate your time, give me your favorite Dan Persa moment. <laughs> Don't do that. That'll probably be at the Palace. I won't be on the field. <laughs> okay, uh, on, on, the on the field. field. Football you gotta related. Got to specify. PG rated. PG rated. Oh, my favorite Dan Persa moment. Don't make me blush, dude. Just make it quick. No, we just uh, no. It's nothing crazy. Uh, no, I just I always enjoyed going against Dan in the summertime, like seven on seven, um, where obviously like there's no coaches there, so it's uh, us calling the defense, uh, or I'm like I was calling the defense for the linebackers in the secondary. He's obviously calling all the seven on routes and on the other side, um, and I like he he eventually like he kept he kept running the same route, and uh, I eventually made a play on it uh, earlier in practice, and then he made up a play, like, drawn on somebody's stomach and uh, double movement and just walked by me. He goes, don't do that again. <laughs> and that was, one of my, that was one of my favorite. I thought he was going to talk there. about the one in 7-on-7 seven seven where, it, again, no coaches there. So there's a lot of expletives, a lot of a lot of stuff going on, extracurriculars, as I like to say. He called, like, a. I remember we were in the indoor, we had something going, and he called, like, a blitz. And he came and, like, pushed <laughs> me in the back while I was throwing him. I'm like, okay, dude, like, let's, let's, let's chill out a little bit. Oh man, that was a good time. Uh, well, all right. Well, you get the fair shake here. You get to come up with one for Brian. Mine, mine had to be like I feel like every other game he had the the club on his hand, so he'd break his <laughs> hand like every three days. I'm like, dude, just amputate the thing and, and put a put a boxing glove on. But it's got to be the the outback bull pick with with the the tip to himself. Oh, yeah. with you know one hand. And I mean, there were so many highlights in that game, but that was that was a pretty cool one. I think it was him and him and Drake had like two of the top three top ten plays on Sports Center with Drake's long bubble screen run and then Brian's uh one handed literally one handed catch on the sideline. Any response, Brad? Uh, good. <laughs> no, good times. Uh, he yeah. did just I mean I, I, I was trying to keep it uh relatively true. Obviously Dan's a competitor. Um it, it it's fun to be around people that have a lot of fire for the game and are excessively competitive. You can see that whether you're a fan watching the stands or you're directly competing uh, against the person across the way. So I, mean, I think that's what uh, 
what made uh, our friendship and like just being a teammate with Dan incredible. Hey, listen, All right. All right, we, boys. we appreciate it. Uh, best of luck. Hope to see you back in the NFL soon, and uh, and keep it going. I appreciate it. You Thanks, Brian. Have a good one. Go Cats. Thanks. Yeah. Well, great to visit with Brian Peters. So, Coach Pat Fitzgerald at his news conference on Monday was talking about how you kind of restart here. You're halfway through, six games down. I don't think anybody expected this team to be 1-5 and five halfway through and still winless in the Big Ten. So so how do you kind of push the reset button? And he actually came up with, I think, a, a suggestion that would certainly appeal to the tech-savvy guys on this football team. I uh, use a little analogy. You know, when things aren't going great, and it's you know obviously a technology world, that we all live in, um, there's three magic buttons to getting things fixed, but they all have to be pressed at the same time, and that's Control, Alt, and Delete. You know what that does, Louie, to your computer? What does it do? It restarts it. That's what we talked about this morning, about restarting. So if you just hit one, like some of the coaches type like this, one at a time, it doesn't work. All three have to be hit at the same time. Like kind of offense and defense and special teams. That's pretty creative. That might be the best T-shirt I've ever come up with. So hopefully we hit them all at the same time this week and we prepare. And then we mature and figure out that just because you prepare doesn't mean you're going to win. You have to go out and compete and make it happen on Saturdays, and we're just not getting that at a consistent level right now. So that's what we're hoping to do this week in our preparation and then get ready to go play a great team on Saturday and compete. A little bit different, Dan, than when uh, I, I think you guys used to talk about you have a bad game and you just say, let's flush it, right? right we've moved from the toilet to the computer, <laughs> so we're getting with the times. But I think, uh, I don't know, I'm not a computer science major, but I always thought uh, Control-Alt-Delete was the uh, troubleshoot. <laughs> if I had this restart, i just turn the computer off and turn it back on. <laughs> well, that's but another that's way not to do the, it. That's probably not the best thing for the operating system. So he's, he's, he's a step ahead of me, I guess. Yeah, you'll get the message that it was improperly shut down the right. last time so right. you don't want that either yeah, I guess you're right. all right you got iowa coming in this week you had success against the iowa hawkeyes well documented and the wildcats have had success in fact pat fitzgerald's record against iowa eight and five and of course last year they went out to iowa city and uh, beat the hawkeyes in a really an unforgettable game that ended up clinching the big 10 west for them on the field at the end of that game Fitz told his guys that they had just won the Big Ten West and they were going to Indianapolis. That was a great catch by Bennett Skoranek, who unfortunately has been out most of this season with an injury. Iowa watched them against Purdue on Saturday, and obviously another outstanding defense. Uh, but they're also a team which has some trouble scoring points. They're they're averaging uh, in the low teens, I think, in, in scoring offense, and you know, this is going to be one of those games where, again, we've thought this before, and it doesn't always work out this way, where it could be kind of a low-scoring, grinded-out kind of game. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the games like we saw two years ago. Or was that two years ago when they went to overtime? And, yes. And it was yes. they won, what, 13-10? That was, that was one of the slower games we've seen you know, up there with, with Nebraska. And then last year, it was still... You know, pretty pretty low scoring. Most fourteen ten. Yeah, it was right, kind of the, the same thing. So I don't expect a ton different. Um, I think the streak Iowa had for a while was they hadn't scored a touchdown in like against an FBS opponent for like five games or something like that. Um, so you know, Northwestern typically does a really good job against Iowa because similar to Wisconsin on offense, they they run the same stuff, right? It's it's not a huge playbook of of spread options. It's it's 
downhill running game, hard play action, you know, a couple tweaks here or there, but it's, it's the same stuff. And, and coach Hank really knows how to defeat that. Um, because it's just not that complicated on, on defense. They've, we've always done well against them because historically they've run the same stuff as well. I think the last couple of years, they've really switched it up because, you know, teams just got used to the same coverage and, and no blitzing. Um, so the, the defense has played a lot better, but they're, they're just stout, right? Their front sevens, you know, up there with, with everybody. And they have a, a couple of playmakers in the back half that, that keep you honest, but they're, they're a tough team. It's going to be another, another grinded out tough game. They do have one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the Big Ten in uh, Nate Stanley, and but but they're a team. They're they're not ranked very high as far as a rushing offense. Uh, kind of gets back to what you just said. Uh, they uh, get most of their yards through the air, and uh, you know they they they're just kind of a solid team. They they don't give up much defensively, so it kind of has that feel. Yeah, it's it's going to be a special teams and turnover game, like mm-hmm. like we've we've talked about with all these these low scoring teams, and um, North it's been Northwestern's recipe for success for the past however many years, and haven't been able to to execute on that this year. Um, but that's that's what's going to define the game, right? Who's going to make that one one mistake in special teams, or who's going to throw that one interception? I think Nate Stanley, he's kind of in my opinion regressed a little bit from from his sophomore year. I thought he had a really good sophomore year, and then his He's had you know some okay years here the last two, but he's a talented kid. Um, he's a big kid, can make every throw, and and if he gets hot and he gets confidence, um, that's that's a real problem. And I think this year more than anything, they they have some some real playmakers on the outside, guys like you know Marvin McNutt who can who can stretch the field. They have a few mm-hmm. guys like that that can go up and make big plays. So I think you know they're going to take their shots, um, especially when Northwestern does a good job against against their run game. Well, it's uh, homecoming. That always tends to be sort of a yeah. special day. And uh, I, I think despite the Ohio State game, I, I think people are going to be uh, fired up for this game. It's a rivalry. It's become a rivalry. Uh, Gary Barnett kind of put it out there as a rivalry in the mid-'90s. And, and the the kind of, I don't know if you call it a tradition or what, but it's continued. The Wildcats won the last three meetings with the Hawkeyes. They haven't beaten them four straight since, like, the 1930s. So, oh, to, so to do it on Saturday, I think, would be a pretty significant accomplishment. Then you hope maybe that's a, a turning point for you. You need something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yep. I was – I think they're ranked, what, 20? Or, 20. Yeah. Yep. You know, they're still a, a very solid team, and they get a big win um, to boost some confidence. And, and I think it's not going to take, you know – 30 points to beat these guys it's going to be two touchdowns or, or three touchdowns which is helpful when you have an offense that's struggling a little bit um so hopefully northwestern takes takes some shots and, and has a couple of big plays because that's something that you know they've really been like lacking it was 17 to 10 in overtime last time there they met go. at ryan field and last year as we mentioned uh 14 to 10 so it's always uh Take the it's usually a close game <laughs> yes i right. think that's good advice so that's going to do it for collegiately speaking for this week thanks to brian peters for joining us thanks to our producer curtis Koch for dan persa i'm dave ennett we'll talk to you again next week on collegiately speaking from wgnradio.com